0: Welcome to the Reactive Podcast, episode 100. This is the podcast in which we map, filter, and reduce streams of mostly development-related thoughts into audio form. My name is Khalil Ishelt, and with me is my formidable co-host, Henning Gladagotz. How are you today, my friend?
1: (laughs) I am exhausted, but I am highly caffeinated, so I'll be talking very fast, likely. Um, I hope it makes sense. Um, How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm tired. I'm going to be talking slow. So.
1: Okay, no <laughs> caffeine for you, huh?
0: <laughs> well, it's late at night here, so yeah, that's true. Problem. Well, for me, it's
1: for me, it's four o'clock, and I yeah, I had my last one about two hours ago.
0: So right, right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 I sometimes I drink see. coffee at four in the afternoon. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. yeah. It's it's been it's been uh, quite a lot today because um, the little one had nightmares and. She was up every hour sort of between two and six AM. So yeah, it was fun. Wow. Do you have to walk her then or what do you have to do? No, she's she's usually okay, but she calls and then of mm-hmm. course, you know, my wife and I are both awake and then we decide who goes and then usually she has a preference as to whom she wants to be <laughs> you know, comforted by and then there's like ah. that person has to go because otherwise she'll have a meltdown and she's okay. two, by the way. So, right, right. you know, it's very interesting um but it's cute and um yeah so um, you, you know you hold her a bit give her whatever she wants as far as you know water or something and then mm-hmm. she'll sleep and okay so no there's no walking she's past that stage she can she can
0: handle but okay
1: you know it's still you wake up and if you do that once an hour for half the night
0: that sucks <laughs> yeah that sucks that disrupts your sleep quite quite a <laughs> bit <laughs> All right. Well, what what's what, what's what's going on in your in your uh, life uh, otherwise?
1: Otherwise, it's been uh, lots and lots and lots of work. Um, it really has been a, a huge push. Um, it's been way busier than usual, and there's many reasons for that. But one of them is that we finally released our first site on our unified web platform that I've been talking about quite a bit on the show. And basically we we got our first and smallest site out. It's the sort of the least risky one if something were to go wrong. So if we have a little mishap or something, it's not going to impact revenue drastically. Um, mm-hmm. We've had a few little hiccups, uh, but nothing nothing major. so we we picked that site for that reason. and um, it's gone overall really, really well. And uh, if anyone wants to go and take a look and see what I've been talking about, It's called uh, paceedwardsdirect.com, and uh, we'll put that link in the show notes. But Mm -hmm. essentially, this is a very small site that sells a limited number of products for trucks, and um, I think there's a total of 16 actual products. At least that's what it looks like to someone that would come and look at the site Um, (laughs) under the hood. Basically, that resolves to 675 individual SKUs. So it's still not a lot, but it's way more than it appears. Mm. And the reason for that is the um, the whole situation where basically, you know, a specific part um, exists in different variations or slight different variations and has different SKUs or part numbers for different models of trucks. So we have this this problem. It's actually a really interesting computer science problem just to sort of recap. Is basically we don't have like, you know, other retailers, for example, in fashion where you have a shirt that might come in, you know, a certain set of colors and then a certain set of sizes, you know, I don't know, large, medium, small or something like that. And that's about it. In our particular case, it's more like um, the visitor has a certain brand of truck. So it could be, you know, a Ford and then uh, some kind of make, so that let's say it's an F150. that's our favorite little test thing. Um, and let's say it's you know it's a 2015 model. So that model actually differs from one maybe in you know 2001, and it might not fit the same kind of product um, for all of the different year make model combinations. So one of the the big, big challenges on our end is to basically have a visitor come in and specify what vehicle they would like to shop for and then present the site to them with the products that actually apply to them. Because they they wouldn't be interested in something that fits on a completely different vehicle. Um, They don't want to see that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's useless because you can't buy it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big, big challenges and the thing that we've worked very hard on making super performant. So what you can go and fiddle around with basically is go and go and select a, a year, make, model, and then play around with the facets on the on the left hand side. So, select different price price ranges or different materials and stuff like that, and just see how fast it is. And it's actually, to me at least, um, when you click on that, it almost seems like it's. I mean, it is a single page app, but it almost seems like all of that stuff is happening like in the browser with local data but it's not it's actually API round trips and it's it it basically builds the product catalog that fast it's amazing mm-hmm. and uh, you know you could argue well there's only 600 you know actual products and or skus so it's not that big of a deal yes that is true but i i believe that we can um we will demonstrate that that is um, just as performant with with larger data sets mm. so that that'll be one of the the maybe not challenges, but one of the things we need to need to prove. Um, so, yeah, so that's um basically what we've been doing. We've been having a huge, huge push um, with very aggressive deadlines um, to get that uh, pushed out. So that's another kind of reason I'm
0: a little tired <laughs> <clears throat> right okay. and yeah. do, do you want to give a little roundup of what you're using um in the back there because you were using with some interesting details like, uh, a lot of Amazon services and also this search um, yes. thing.
1: Algolia. So um, oh, Algolia is, uh, I don't know, I've said it before, it's all around really, really nice. It's a great developer experience too. Everything is API driven. They have fantastic utilities um, to do various things. You can basically script out the whole um, process of deployment or or provisioning, et cetera. So that's what we use for uh, search, and um, that's what provides the faceting and also the, um, the controls that basically allow a visitor to select a year make model because there's another thing in there, right? When you so you have these three it's actually four drop downs because bed length on a pickup truck is also important um depending on the kind of product you want to put on there. Mm-hmm. So once you select the first thing, that influences the result set of the second drop down. And then that that influences the one of the third, et cetera, et cetera. So that is also powered by Algolia mm. and is ridiculously fast. Um, and that's also, you know, something that Algolia does very nicely. Um, pretty much almost out of the box. i mean we we do our we do some magic there with with our lambda apis, but it's there's a lot of support for this type of stuff uh, from Algolia. And then, of course, the site search is um, uh, powered by Algolia as well, which is we we've we gave that sort of spiel in 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 a lot of our presentations you know to basically say well it took us 30 minutes to implement site search because it's kind of comes with a package right mm-hmm. as, yeah, as yeah. soon as you load all your product data and your images and everything into algolia it basically builds or it it gives you a, a search widget that You know, works with images and everything, and it even has um, the ability to handle synonyms. So if you have, if you know that people mistype certain things frequently, you can put synonyms in for that, Mm -hmm. so that when they mistype the the search word, um, it still has a perfect hit. So it's Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that's sort of the one of one of my uh, target systems to load data into, Mm -hmm. and then. the whole concept of the site, I guess is that we we pre build everything there's no there's no relational database queries everything is pre it's like a build step to get the site deployed mm-hmm. and whenever we have data updates it's it's pretty much that again mm. so we we basically read all content out of um, a content cache that is built on uh, DynamoDB which is also beautifully fast on top of that sits lambda mm. and um that's sort of the majority of what powers the actual the site then there of course the part that is the hard part well i'm not, i don't want to diminish anyone's work of course but but the thing that is hard is basically to get a continuous flow in place where you have you know from your product management system continuously data flowing into the site and everything being updated mm-hmm in a synchronous manner, um, because we have about 10 different targets that we have to update in sync. They're not all completely in sync, but a lot of them are. Because you have to think about, well, we put images out there, we put um, content, then we have to update the search index, we pull stuff from CMS. Um, so quite a, quite a bundle of stuff that has to get moved from the source to... The target which is of course the back end for the website so that's uh that's primarily what i was uh dealing with and we're still we're still hard at work at that but mm-hmm. it's to a point where we can actually support um the site obviously since it's since it's live so um so yeah so that's um in in very broad strokes i guess the stack and and we've talked about this in the past but it's It's been amazing to see how fast you can put something ultra-performant together with off-the-shelf technologies that you could just never build on your own in any kind of remotely similar time frame with a a team our size. It's just, you know, no chance in hell. It's uh,
0: it's pretty amazing that you you can easily deal with, uh, especially, you know, the the amounts of data that you're dealing with. And then if you're going to roll it out to all the other sites, there's going to be, like a multitude of sites that all get fed out of that same data source, or yep, basically? Pretty much. Right, right. Yep, yep. yeah basically right yeah, yeah
1: yeah, so so the crazy. yeah, the data originates
0: in three
1: four, four different systems. the The main one being actually contentful, um talked mm-hmm. about that quite a bit yeah. as well. so we we have a team that deals with, you know, for example, the banners, right? The banners that, um are across the top of the site and different different places on the site, they are created and managed by um, the content team mm-hmm. or marketing team actually. And they have the ability to basically schedule content. So we created the system where in in, in Contentful you can create a content entry of a specific type and you give it a start and an end date time. And our system will basically figure out when that needs to be baked into the site and pushed live and then taken down again or replaced depending on what what the situation is mm-hmm. um, so basically we can you know rotate stuff in and out and it can be scheduled into the future <clears throat> as well so that was an interesting challenge but again contentful one of those things where has an amazing developer experience I mean it's really I, I don't know it's great I mean it has it, it's a CMS basically that has the notion of um, you know draft and publish, so that works beautifully for staging and production. so anything that a person you know with the proper authority publishes gets pushed to the live site and anything mm. that is sort of saved continually in draft mode gets pushed to the staging site so that mm. people can basically right away evaluate what they've done by looking at it on the site. I mean right away is minutes um, mm. at the moment. We'll probably get it down to a little less than that um and so that goes for you know content as well as far as text basically on the about us page so if somebody wanted to go change that they just go to contentful change it and hit publish and it will be pushed to the proper site um, so each site has its own space in contentful mm-hmm. and um yeah so we can we can offload all the management of that kind of stuff uh, out of development and um into the hands of the people that actually need to do that want to do that yeah. and uh yeah, it works nicely and then uh what else, yeah, then we have a similar situation with product data, basically, we have a team that is you know merchandising, they deal with uh adding new products, disabling products, modifying them, adding new images, et cetera. And it's a similar thing there that basically changes get batched up and pushed to the site Mm -hmm. in in certain intervals and then, you know, deployed essentially. It's like we're deploying a new site Mm -hmm. in intervals constantly. Mm -hmm. So it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been, it's been stressful, but, um, I think, uh, yeah, overall it's been extremely fun. It's been a ton of learning and, um, yeah, learning by, you know, having successes, but also by goofing things up and, Mm -hmm. um, just coming to some good realizations, you know, it's like, um, I think the biggest thing for me is sort of just like being pragmatic and, and, um, compromising on things. Cause I think the thing that I've realized what, you know, I shouldn't really be coding. So I'm supposed to be my my title is director of backend technology, so I, I really don't have any business coding. Mm-hmm. At least in many other organizations, I would not be a person that that writes code on a daily basis. But for this project, I actually have, um, okay. and there, there's 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 reasons for that, right? There's there's um company business constraints, team size constraints that we can't change right away, but the business requires that we do this. So it's like, is it ideal? No, because all my other responsibilities suffer from it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um short, so long term, it's you know it's not sustainable, obviously, but in the short term, yes, it's kind of you know things turn into a bit of a shit show, but it's doable in my opinion. Um, maybe not everyone would agree, but um it was necessary, and it 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 allowed us to push this product out so. Um, so what I mean by this is basically being pragmatic. you know we, we had a ton of constraints. you know, the business had certain expectations for deadlines, um, which you know, you can argue are not um, <laughs> well, let's put it just this way. they're very aggressive, right? So they require a bit um, more um <laughs> above and beyond the normal. Workload, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, but the reason for that is is you know it's it's not the companies I think at least in many cases not the companies that put out the perfect polished best thing. It's usually the ones that get a good thing out first and then can acquire you know a, dif- a decent customer base and and make money and then they go and uh, you know improve upon things. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard you know many tech leaders, keep tell me sort of the same same thing um, in in various conference talks. And so I never kind of realized this when my sole responsibility was development, because it's like, I'm a developer, I'm going to do this the right way, I have to do this, you know, the way that's proper, and it, it has to, you know, it has to be perfect. I, I mean, I guess that's kind of silly, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, it has to mm-hmm. be the way it is honorable in my craft to put out code. You know, I don't want yeah. to do crap, right? Yeah, but yeah. then once you once you get into the position where you have to make decisions for lots of other people, and you have this other pressure from another side, mm-hmm. you start to make compromises, right? And it's it's kind of icky at first. I guess that's this what I sort of had to get over um, is that. You know, you're not always doing the best thing technically. And and I'm saying this because I actually had this conversation with one of my team leads who was sort of arguing, um, you know, valid argument that we're not doing this the way it should be done for this specific thing, right? And I'm like, well, but that's okay for now because it enables us to get this product out in front of people by by it being out quickly and first or early, we get... It's exercised, right? Your code is getting exercised, so it's valuable to do that, even if it's not perfect, because it will teach you lessons and you can improve upon that. And if you had spent you know, another two weeks, another month or two months polishing that thing, not really even knowing that that's really what's important in production, I think the other way around is, is a lot more useful. At least that's what I've come to sort of
0: um, yeah, but. accept
1: or figure out
0: but okay. a big but there yes. is that if you say for now but you don't mean it <laughs> then that's a real problem <laughs> yes because I, I totally agree right it's okay. the technical debt problem right you accrue technical debt you want to you say okay want to test this out we want to get this out quickly totally agree that that is a totally doable thing and it it makes sense in many cases but it it seems to be a very hard uh, feat for a lot of companies to actually then go back and get rid of the technical debt, or at least start working at it.
1: Yep, and it scares me to death. But <laughs> 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 so I've um I've sort of I have um I have a a developer sort of working on a I I won't well obviously since I'm saying it here it's, it's not a stealth task but. Um, is basically already starting to do refactoring and I have assigned time in the sprint to do that. And he's going cool. to do that. And cool. you know, so it's like, <laughs> so I, I know here's the weak spots. This is where we sort of, you know, rush over things. This is what you need to focus on. Please fix my mess. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, kind of like, yeah. So that, that's what I, that's at least my intent. And um, I, I know what you're saying and I, I know that because it has happened to me in the past, yeah. and it is the age old thing like, yeah, we'll come back and fix it later, and yeah, yeah it never happens i it needs I guess be that, prioritized so. but but i yeah. think
0: it's I think it's good that that somebody like you is is there in in the in the lead because um you do very much understand how important it is to do that and how also yep. it's it, it it and how it's also economically important for the company I think that is something that many companies or many uh, people in leadership positions maybe don't understand how important it is to have uh, well organized code um, so that you can move fast uh, long term right and actually um, make money for the company by building features or whatever right and not destroying your application while you're building features basically yeah yeah
1: and i know you know probably there's tons of people were like cringing oh my god you're crazy but the thing is like we we do have a decent amount of of testing in place automated testing the whole thing is on on circle ci so that can it be better absolutely it always can it's never finished right but it's like i feel comfortable with where we're at Mm. and i i I feel confident that we can we can not let it spiral out of control, I mm-hmm. guess, is what... I, I hope I'm able to walk that, that line. I, I'll report back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, here's the thing, right? It's We're competing with Amazon. Yeah, like, exactly. Literal, like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know? they're, yeah. they're doing this. They actually sell a ton of our products already, and they are right. learning. We can tell because we're watching them. Right. <laughs> they're learning how to do this specific you know, automotive problem, right? Mm-hmm. And eBay is another mm-hmm. one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here we are with our 30 devs, you know, trying <laughs> hey, to, uh, to but get I, somewhere, but you know,
0: that's funny because when you were talking about the site and, and, and I actually, while you were talking about it, I was visiting the site and I looked at it and I was clicking around and I configured a car and all that stuff. Um, I felt like this is really cool because you use these tools from Amazon and also Algolia <laughs> to create a site that is that is able to actually compete with Amazon, and it, it is able to compete with Amazon because it's so fast, right? Yes. <clears throat> I mean, maybe <clears throat> Amazon, of course, has some other uh, some other things where you might want to go with them because amazon prime or whatever all these things that you you just buy everything at amazon or whatever but i mean just from the from the performance point of view and from the handling of the site the handling of the site is even a little nicer or is i mean that's not necessarily difficult to be nicer than amazon but the point is that to 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 have an e-commerce site that is just as quick and just as fluent feeling and all that stuff as Amazon, I think nowadays is if you want to compete, if you want to be successful, you have to like sure. it's 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 a minimum requirement that you at least match the speed yeah. kind of that yeah. Amazon brings to the table, and you're doing that, so that's great. Yeah, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I'm glad you noticed that. I mean, that is one of our biggest, um, and I guess the thing we're we're most proud of. It's like. I mean, the big test will be when we have the the site up that has like four hundred thousand SKUs. <laughs> so we'll yeah, see. yeah, yeah, totally. But um, but uh, you know, it's it's extremely snappy, and and again, with a small team put together with um, off-the-shelf technologies, and yes, of course, Amazon has a lot of advantages. But one thing that you know their um their speed or handling is is not quite there. But that again they're selling everything we're doing something highly highly specialized so we have we have the luxury to focus on a specific thing whereas they need to cater to like a really broad spectrum of stuff right Mm -hmm. so it's much harder obviously um but then again they have i don't know thousands of people working on it yeah yeah of course that's a whole
0: different story Yeah. yeah
1: right oh one other thing so so when we launched this thing which was like it um i don't know sometime at night um i i was the one that made the first purchase on on the site so as a test yeah and i had never actually done this and this is another thing that i I want to sort of talk about is like how i have sort of come to see more of the front end because i realized that i've really really sort of Totally lived like down in the caves <laughs> dealing with, yeah. with back and stuff, which obviously is my job, but it, it is actually really beneficial when you're working on a project like this that you know what's going on on the other end. So mm-hmm. I have embraced that. And, and anyway, so the, the, the checkout experience is, is amazing. Like the, right. team, the team did like really, really amazing, amazing work. It's mm-hmm. super, super, super um, uh, streamlined and clean and just easy like super easy to get out and I think awesome. it has these um, you know features in there from Google with the address uh, um, oh yeah that it basically, basically their address API that it suggests yeah. a whole bunch just drops in half of what you yeah, do and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's awesome. like damn yeah. it's really nice yeah. very nice so I was impressed by that yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it's a good site definitely good e-commerce yeah. site yeah for sure it's great thank
1: you. No, it's, our, it's the little one. Yeah, so. congratulations!
0: Cool.
1: On thank you, launch. thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Awesome. Anyway, that's what's going on here. How, yeah. about, how about you? <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, well, it's great. It's great to celebrate the success. And 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 I'm very fascinated. I must say, I'm very, I'm very interested in how you, your gut, like how you piecing all that together the content from contentful you have these different apis that you're talking to using uh lambdas for the api using algolia api and it's just kind of it feels like it's just like a bunch of different services and apis like they're like the 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 back end is it's kind of uh you know how typically um years ago when i was in uh or also in my current job or whatever, like the back, it always feels very monolithic and it's like mm-hmm. people working on one spring boot Java thing or whatever. Right. And has yeah. monster yeah. and has, has an API and like, it feels like, and it's running on a few servers and it feels like this heavy thing, monolithic. It kind of, yeah, that's how it, yeah, it looks in my, yeah. it's a beast in my head. And then, yeah. And what you guys are doing uh, and girls is, is like, uh yeah, just this. Yeah, you have this fractured backend that yeah. Is our site like,
1: is hosted on out of an S3 bucket.
0: That's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just a static site, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a static site, <laughs> and just talks to all these APIs. It's it's uh, exactly it's yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit is, of job'm well, Not to poo poo anybody's stuff or diminish it again, but it's it's just a bunch of JavaScript that gets loaded from a
0: yeah, S3 bucket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome though. And it's and you're really using you figured out what are the right tools for the job and you got um you got and you just piece them together and yeah. It's yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean this has been probably two two years in the making, really. I mean in 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 mostly my boss's head, but he's sort of We've had um, sort of design powwows over the last two years frequently. And mm-hmm. it's really been amazing to see this come from, I, I remember some of our first whiteboard drawings and now it's freaking live and it works, you know. It's, it's awesome. very cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, you did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, um, so does PHP have enums? Um, I don't think so. No, because because uh, I've never I've never used enums or really heard of them before. I've been have have seen them uh, in the TypeScript doc documentation, and I, I know enums kind of is very is a pretty powerful or well known concept from Java and other backend languages languages.
1: Yeah, I remember it from my C days. Yeah, right, right.
0: So it was it was really hard for me to understand what enums are um because so the docu- documentation basically said something about you know I read the first two lines and I couldn't really understand what it's supposed to mean and the first two lines are um let me, let me just read them real quick <clears throat> It's like enums allow us to define a set of named constants. Using enums can make it easier to document intent or create a set of distinct cases. And there is so much information in there and at the same and, and 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 there are so many words that at first I didn't really understand what they were supposed to mean because also uh, the first thing where it says it's you can define a set of named constants I was like why do I want to like I can already, I have the const keyword. I can, mm-hmm. I can use. I can use in TypeScript. I can use. Um, I can, I can have a a JavaScript object. Well, first of all, I can create a JavaScript. Uh, I can create a TypeScript interface that defines a shape of a of a JavaScript object, and I can put <coughs> my constant into that object. I've been doing that all the time. You know, like I don't understand why I need that other thing. And yeah and
1: actually that's a really good point, because when you read that, like trying to not think about what I know about it, right. it doesn't really make any sense Yeah, like it doesn't explain well enough yeah yeah, yeah. what it's even for or why yeah you you would exactly. basically have all those questions yeah it's like, it's, it's
0: written by somebody who knows what enums are exactly, yes, <laughs> <laughs> who has used them before like An enum expert, yeah the, yeah it, something like that, you know. I mean of course they yeah. knew but they didn't write it for people who don't know what enums are that's the point. I agree yes. Right right right. So so since so I it, it never but I never really felt like nobody you know said oh you need to use the enums here or I, I never got into a situation where where I was kind of forced from uh, from outside forces to use enums. So I just I kept ignoring it and then every time I asked somebody uh what is the enums what are they for and then people would t- typically just tell me oh it's like it's enumerate it's enumerations it's if you have a you know a bunch of things or <laughs> something like that <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like what yeah. uh, like what am i stupid i don't understand like what are you t- telling me here is, it's an array like and then at the same time also uh in typescript typically the things you know, like uh in TypeScript, we use TypeScript to to create types that are then removed after compilation, and they're not in the JavaScript. and it, and, and enums are something that are they're a, a data data structure as well as a type. And yeah. that was also confusing me because why does TypeScript now give you some give me something to store? values in i don't just like how does that work like isn't typescript to be it's supposed to be uh, uh, compiled away and um, so those were the thoughts that were going through my head that made me completely it made me keep ignoring it ignoring it, it. and then <clears throat> yeah and then um, i don't know how it happened but there was uh, at some point I kept, it kept bugging me that I don't understand what enums are. And then I started, and I think people, yeah. And people at my job were like, Oh yeah, enums, blah, blah, But still couldn't, didn't explain it to me properly. Mm-hmm. So I, I could understand it, but they used it. And then, and I started looking into it some more. And then at some point I started finally to, uh, to understand what enums are. And, uh, <clears throat> And I I started to understand the uh, the uh, documentation and everything and I wrote a little bro- blog post uh, to break it down for somebody for like I wrote the blog post that I would have needed in order to understand emails. <laughs> <laughs> I have to read that because it's it's like I've used them i I knew
1: at some point quite well what they're for but I right. haven't used them probably in ten years
0: uh-huh. so because
1: that's I think at least. Right. So right now, if you would ask me to explain it, I would come up with something similar, silly. Let's say, yeah, it's a, it's a list or a set of, of constants that you can use, but that that's yeah. kind of where it ends. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, like,
0: <laughs> right. So, so what, what
1: is so, so how, use case or how did you explain it? If you could like summarize.
0: Yeah. So, so how I would explain it, it is, it's a, it's a, it's it's a way for you to group uh, constants into logic kind of groups. It, or let's say it's a convenient way to do that. Because there's other ways to do it, but they're less convenient if you want typing. So, right. So, uh, I think typing is the main
1: part here, right? Is that you have, I mean, right. in, in compiled languages at least, you have the ability to make sure at compile time that something's going to work. Um, yeah, and I guess with TypeScript it's similar. It can give you safety, right?
0: Yes, exactly. It gives you yep. type safety, and so and uh, enums do a whole bunch of things. So, for instance, let's say you have uh, a bunch of constants that are directions. Or in our case, for instance, uh, I just used enums to uh, f- for an, for uh, a component to basically um, to store some some. Um, Constants that like a certain property can have, like there was orientation, uh, which could be like horizontal and vertical, and then there was another one. But for instance, those like horizontal, like the orientation, right, can be horizontal and vertical. So you have these two options. So you can make an. So those belong together logically, right? right? So you can make an enum that's called horizontal. uh, That's called um, orientation and it has and it can have those two constants you can group those two constants in it which is vertical and horizontal and then right <clears throat> um and so it typescript does a bunch of things at the same time with this so so now when once you do this you have a type called orientation and um and that type then can have these two values, horizontal or vertical, and yep. so so now you have type safety. If you if you ex, you can d- basically say, okay, this function needs to return something of the type of that enum, and then if you return something else, it will yell at you. Or um, exactly, yeah, right. And it, also, what it what one thing that it does very well. It's also in this first sentence where it says, it makes easier to document intent. And I think that makes sense too. Like it documents what you're trying to do. It gives you more information. It makes your code more readable. It is kind of, uh, it's it's a data structure that that gives you a type, but also helps you to make your uh, your code easier to read and your program better to understand, basically. And it's 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 this weird thing because it's something that you don't have to use ever, really, but it. It just—it's like a convenience thing, where it does a few things at the same time in a in a very succinct succinct manner, like very terse. Because when you say when you when you define the enum um, orientation and you set and you say okay there it has two two members those me- members are vertical or horizontal. What the enum in TypeScript at least does it assigns those members values. Automatically, and those values right. start at zero and then just get incremented. So you have yep. distinct; they definitely have different values. And then you can use them in your code. You can say orientation dot vertical, like if mm-hmm. uh, orientation equal, e- equals 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 or orientation uh, orientation dot um, vertical, for instance, do something in with your code. So you can test for those values. And what's interesting with enums too is that if you say if you um so if you uh if you access the value so if you if you use orientation.membername vertical for instance it will return the value it was assigned so 0 or if you ass- explicitly uh, assign it a, str- a string <coughs> it will return that string but if you uh you can also go the other way around and you can say horizontal I mean sorry orientation and then access the name of the member through the value if you know the value mm-hmm. but you right. don't know the name you can get the name so and right. there's an actually it actually compiles to something in into into an object in javascript that allows you to do the same uh, same thing so um and then at the same time then in typescript it also allows you if you know that you never have to do that you can also just have um it compiles itself completely av- away in the in the and only the values actually stay in the javascript code so you don't have any cruft or anything so it's uh it makes it a little bit more performant if if that's a concern of yours but yeah. i think but yeah but i think that's um i think it documenting intent is one of the biggest things that enums do like they make your code really more readable and they do um help you to, or give you the, the possibility to group these constants into these logical groups in a nice uh, terse way. And it's at the same time, give you types. So there's, there's just like this data concert that, that does so many things at the same time. Uh, it's a convenience mm-hmm. method, basically. A yeah.
1: Convenience and I construct. think along, along the lines of, you know, it, um, the, the intent thing, it, it also helps you out in your, in your IDE. And that's where I really miss this, this concept because I have this, I use this, I do this all day long, right? I have I have a, I don't know, a parameter to, to something that takes, I don't know, one of three values. And then inside of that, in order to check what I'm, to make sure that it's not garbage that's coming in, I have to then set up a thing like val- an array of valid parameters, and oh, I have to check yeah, and see yeah. if it's inside of that, right? Mm-hmm. And the the thing that's even worse, that if I want to use that method or that function and I don't know what the values need to be, I have to then go and read the code because there's no type to specify what the options are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's even worse, right? And, and so you yeah. make a typo in one of them and you're screwed. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's nice all around. So yeah, that there's maybe some something in in PHP that simulates it. Or, well,
0: but isn't um, there um, isn't that Hack language or whatever it's called from Facebook supposed to be? Um, they made a version of PHP that's PHP that's typed.
1: It probably does that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm so guessing. I mean,
1: their their PHP is actually moving more and more um, towards type hinting and and the the ability to to specify um, types everywhere so i mean it we're we're, it's to the point now where you can i this sounds weird but it's for php people it's like a big deal you can you can specify the return type of a method i Mm -hmm. mean that's like something so in basic but yes you can do that and and you know you um you therefore have now a tool chain in place to tell you at Development time, whether your stuff is going to crap out or not, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so before it was like, yeah, whatever comes back, comes back, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So you can do that yeah. with pretty much everything. Every every parameter you now that you pass to a method or a function, you can do the same thing, which is was not at all the case. Um, and um, a lot of people they 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 sort of they don't like that, but mm-hmm. I think in the grand scheme of things, especially when you have multiple devs. And you have you know these IDEs that support you. It's just so much easier that you know what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anyway, we've been down that rabbit hole many times, but yeah, that's it's one of the things that I think I would like about TypeScript a lot. Um, and I think also remembering our interview with Jafar Hussein, one of the main reasons why Microsoft came up with it in the first place,
0: is yeah, to,
1: yeah, to sanity in large projects, right? That yeah, become exactly. unmaintainable. Otherwise.
0: Yeah, it seems like um, if you use PHP for for larger projects like like you're doing, uh, ha- n- not having types is yeah is yeah
1: I ha- I have a guy is a weakness, my team that is yeah, absolutely that is very much um, he doesn't like PHP too much but he writes good PHP code and mm-hmm. he he is very much on the uh, you know type all the things mm-hmm. and yeah, be yeah. very very explicit and don't you know don't le- leave things to right. interpretation and chance and you
0: know because so yeah definitely a senior developer yeah <laughs> <Right there>. <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: yep he's the guy doing the refactoring <laughs> right right this is very good very good <laughs> it's, it's going be good <laughs> cool yeah anyway that's that's uh that's awesome i mean this is another one of those things i think where you had to you you had your aha moment and then you wrote it down and you probably understood it even better right and so that's yeah one of benefits yeah. of, of writing something about it so
0: and, and i already got some so. and i already got some feedback from other developers that also like so i because i posted it on instagram and uh this guy he who follows me there he he read it and he's also front end developer and he also said like yeah i've used it before and i didn't really understand now i understand it so That's <laughs> it's awesome. exactly That's so great. yeah it's exactly <laughs> what i was trying to to get Fantastic! At it. I got some good nice. feedback
1: on it as well. As well. Okay. So hopefully you'll mm. remember better than I did because uh, you wrote about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I think, because for me, it's not, it's because for me, it's such, it's still foreign, you know, like I'm a JavaScript yeah. developer and, and it's a, it's a foreign thing. So I will always look at it as this, as this thing, you know, this construct that just combines a bunch of things in one and gives me yeah. like is a convenience thing for this. And I think that for for people who who learned a back end or le- a language that has enums pretty early like the, one of the first languages, then they get so used to it that they can't like they just use it all the time and it's but they, they don't understand why it, why it's good to have it or you yeah. know versus not having it or what actually the benefits are because right
1: i think you're, it's you're so right ingrained going through, the, going through the pain of not having it and then yeah. getting this tool handed to you it's like yes. holy crap you know but it, if it was yeah. always there it's like yeah
0: whatever that's how yeah. we do it <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's just how it yeah. is i mean yeah. i noticed that that's how it's for me for stuff that's in javascript like that people didn't have, or if they, and people find that out or whatever. I, I have no example, but I, but I, I've been through similar things where I think having that perspective of not having it and then having it, yeah, that, that definitely helps to remember. Uh, mm. yeah. 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 Cool. Cool.
1: Nice. Oh, well, we're almost out of time, but maybe we can squeeze something in real quick.
0: Yeah. i um, I definitely uh, have some more to talk about. Okay, um, so I've been I've been working on this little uh, command line interface, little CLI tool to uh, to to um, to have Git shortcuts for specific things that I do very often uh, mm-hmm. in projects. So, for instance, what I what I what I do very often is that I commit. Like I'm working on a feature branch or something, or maybe a personal project, on a develop branch or whatever, and all I want to do is commit my current state because maybe I want to switch to a different branch, or I'm stopping the work, or taking a break, or whatever. Commit everything mm-hmm. and then push it to the server right away, and right. I don't really care that much maybe of the about the commit message, but maybe I do. So I don't have. So I have to, you know, add everything, commit, and then push to origin, and and then, um, yeah. So that is one of the things that I wanted to have just one command for, right? Just one command to just that just does all three things. Like I give, I have one command, then pa- and passes a message if I want to if I want to have a specific commit commit message and it will commit everything that's staged or unstaged we'll just stage everything, commit everything and then push it to the server and I don't yeah, and that's all. And then there's um, some other things I do
1: that a lot too, can I have this?
0: Yeah, of course (laughs) (laughs) so that's one thing then the the other thing is um, I always have to look up how to rename my local and my remote branch so if I have to rename a branch it's uh-huh. called blah, and it needs to be called blah3, right? <laughs> um, then I have to, so I always have to look it up. So now uh-huh. I, I have a convenience uh-huh. function that just doesn't, but since I have to pro, had to program it, I, I, can't, I remember now how to do it manually. But <laughs> So what you typically have yeah. to do is you have to say git branch dash dash move or dash m, and then uh, type the new name of the branch. That will rename yeah. your local branch. And then you have to delete your remote branch with that had the current name, like that had the blah name. It's, and that's, that's and how you delete. I also had to look that up too, is you git push colon branch name. Yes. I always have to look right. that you up. Look, I yes. hate it. Yeah. It's annoying, right? <laughs> and then, and you don't do it often enough so that it kind of just goes into your uh, muscle memory, right? So you always yes, have to exactly. look it up. And then... Yep and then you push your current your new branch up to the server so now you have the new name up to the server as well uh-huh. and i have now a convenience method or convenience call on the terminal that just does all three steps in one right so you just say Sweet. yeah it's just say, so uh, so so the tool is called belly and it's called belly because because <laughs> um <laughs> because i came to that name because i was lo- looking for a name and the clearest most direct name would be Git Shortcuts, right? But Git Shortcuts is super long. So I I said, okay, (laughs) G-cuts, right? Or Guts. (laughs) (laughs) Belly, okay. (laughs) And and Guts was a little gross. So I I went to Belly, so it's Belly, right? You have to put that in the readme, though, (laughs) because
1: people will scratch
0: their head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. But it's a cool origin story. Anyway, that is mm. nice uh yeah so it's
1: it's node right and
0: it's just i'm assuming yeah you can just npm install it just a global install and then in your repository for instance for the commit and push you just say belly c which does commit and push it's just i just have you know i try to keep it short belly c just does a generic commit it will just say belly auto commit in your commit message, and commit everything and push, and then uh, the rename is just belly n, and then you pass the name of the of the new branch, and it will do all the renaming local and remote, and then there is um, let me see, um, I have another one that's pretty cool, um, oh the one is also tag your branch and push the tag, mm-hmm. which we also. We yes,
1: to, I have to right? every flipping time look right? that up too.
0: Right, right, yeah. right. So that's just <laughs> belly, T, and then the version number that you want to tag it with. Mm-hmm. And we'll tag it. We'll tag it. We'll do an annotated tag. We'll just put the version number as the tag, and the annotation yeah. is also the version number. And just push that follow tags to the server. And then there's also, uh, oh yeah, a cool convenience function is. If you just want to switch to a different branch, so there is, there is different types of switching. So there's the switching where you just switch to last branch, which is git checkout dash. That just switches you. Like if you were in master before and you're now uh-huh. in develop and you type in git checkout dash, it will switch you back to master.
1: Oh, if, nice.
0: Yeah, and if you if you type git checkout dash again, it will switch you back to your the branch that you were before. <laughs> So you can go back, forth, back, forth. And uh-huh. so, and then sometimes, so sometimes you want to do that. Sometimes you want to switch to a branch that already exists, right? Right. Let's just get checkout branch name. And sometimes mm-hmm. you want to check out in a brand, brand new branch, right? Yeah. So so I so, so Belly S for switch does all these three things. Depending, oh, it doesn't care what it doesn't yeah, it give a fuck. It exactly, it's like <laughs> if you should, if you just say belly s, it will just do the switch to last, right? Uh-huh. But if you say belly s branch name, it will switch to the branch name if it exists, or it will check out a new branch and switch to it if it doesn't exist.
1: Nice, right? Nice. The thing that comes to mind here is like Git Flow and and similar things. But exactly. I think the the nice thing is like you have your own like limited. Set of things that you want exactly the way you need them, <laughs> which is cool. And now you became an expert on these, um, <laughs> on these handful that... of commands. Yeah, I yeah, know that's that's awesome. <laughs> I mean,
0: because it was just annoying me that to look up these things. Because we use yeah. we used Git we used Git Flow, but we used we switched to GitHub Flow but mm-hmm. all these things i needed for gitflow and i need to for gitflow yeah. as well one thing also is that we always rebase and we always squash like if, if mm-hmm. you have if you have a feature branch uh, you rebase master onto it and then in the end when when you're finally done everything is reviewed and you you're ready to merge before you do that you do a one last squash so it's just one commit containing all your changes for that feature mhm and um, so there's, there's, this, there's two ways to do it. There's a way where you say git rebase interactive, uh, so dash I for interactive, and then you get the list of commits, and then you can decide, okay, I wanna squash this one. I don't want this. I don't, I want to take out this one or keep this one. Like you can do that, right? Or you just go through yeah. and squash them all, and it will all be squashed into one commit. Um, or what you can also do, you can just say git reset dash dash soft master Mm. and what that does it does a reset to master but it will keep all your changes in the what is called the work workspace or whatever it's called yeah right so they will be on they will be unstaged uncommit i think unstaged changes or maybe staged Mm -hmm. and then you can just go ahead and commit just add all commit and make a new commit and then you have everything squashed yeah. So there's a belly convenience method basically <laughs> to just do that. So all you do I is I
1: will d- definitely look at this. This is so awesome. It's really funny too because I had this conversation earlier this week with one of my team leads about how can we teach the team more sophisticated Git stuff? Because I'm I'm sort of like I'm well not sort of, I am guilty of this as well, is that I learned Git as well as I just needed to mm-hmm. to get by. And then I sort of plateaued and Everybody it was, does. Yeah,
0: exactly. yeah,
1: it's like there is, um, it's really, and then you just, because of exactly the scenario that you tried to solve here is because you, you don't need them often enough yep. to, to script this stuff out for yourself mm-hmm. because it's like, yeah, you know, it's every now and then, but it's every freaking time it's annoying that you have to go and re like yeah. l- relearn the thing and some of them are exactly. like really nasty so yeah. you have to actually spend quite a bit of time to figure it out again
0: Also, yeah. oh, the, <laughs> the docs are really hard to read They're or confusing. it's hard to yeah, find yeah. something specific because uh, exactly. they, they contain so much information but it's yeah. really easy because there are so many granular l- little functions it's easy to just put them together in these convenience f- functions. And and yep. and nobody has does it has has done it before. I mean people have their git aliases or whatever, but I thought it would be cool exactly, to have yeah. Yeah. to have this little uh command line interface just for these these things that keep popping up, keep popping up that I yeah. use often enough but not often enough to really have them memorized. And then also some of them are just m- too much typing. You know, why do you have to do yeah. all this typing? <laughs> You know? Yes,
1: mm. for lazy people, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, so, I mean that's, this is awesome. You 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 solved several problems, right? You, yeah, you, exactly. Uh, you made it faster for yourself, and you learned yeah. um, and some. I'm, intern, and I'm already awesome. using it.
0: I'm already using it yeah. while I'm developing the tool. I was already <clears throat> using it. I just had it locally linked, and, and it was cool. cool. So like I like, and and I really do now. Every time I have this problem. One of these problems that I need to solve with Git, I'm just like ah, I have my belly function. I just do belly dab, <laughs> and it works. It's great.
1: Um, I'm curious about when you. Well, you, it is out in the wild. I guess it's already in GitHub. But what what kind of stuff people will like propose or want to open pull requests for? You know.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, ah, I have th- I have this problem. Can we do this, please? <laughs> I was already thinking about. I was already thinking about maybe a plugin system for it where you know how there is um you can have like a config file and then people can create their npm packages mm-hmm. with like just their convenience function and then mm-hmm. the config file the belly config file oh, just look at the yeah. list of those uh, p- uh, of those plugin names and will then npm install them uh, nice. automatically that would be cool. yeah. there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of little apps that do that um, that have a config file and look at a list, like an array of names, and just npm install them internally somehow and then and then you and then you have a plugin installed. And that hmm, would,
1: this that, reminds me of a
0: little text editor with a very short name. Uh,
1: <laughs> that you can customize however you want to. Uh, Vim. Right, right. Vim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is very cool because you can keep your own core of things without Having all that other stuff, if you don't want it, but right. if you want to have that, you can just add that one thing, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool nice. system.
0: Yeah, And yeah, Maybe it makes <laughs> sense for this. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah,
1: well, I'll, I'll definitely give it a give it a spin. Yeah, give sure. it a well.
0: I, I'm. It's not. I still have to finish. I think uh, just a few things, clean up a little bit, but um, it's already mm-hmm. on GitHub. You can already. I don't think I pushed the latest version to npm yet, but I'll I'll just I'll let you know, and cool. uh, as soon as it's like. Uh as soon as the the latest uh version is up, I'll tell you and then you can try it out.
1: Nice. Yep. Awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. awesome. It's <laughs> such a great I, I know we gotta
1: we gotta wrap it up, but this yeah. is such a great, like this small contained side project, right? It's not yeah. like some insurmountable thing. It's a little mm. utility that you probably can knock out in a few days, right? And it's yeah. like it's fun. It's, it's fun. just fun. And, and it's, it's useful. It's useful, yeah. Useful, yeah. yeah it yeah, solves a yeah. problem.
0: That's always the best. you know. If you That's great. Fantastic. All uh, yeah. <laughs> righty. All righty. Um, so just a quick note. So um, for our listeners, we are going to move um, – we're moving our s- chat to, uh, from Slack to Spectrum Chat, which is – uh, just a little bit more. It's very similar to Slack, I would say, from what I've been seeing. Um, it's a group chat. It looks really nice. It's some very cool people behind it. and um, uh, But it's more suitable for the type of thing that our community is because it's made for communities. And if you have a public spectrum chat, then people can anybody can join, so we don't need a, a hack for it like we need for Slack. And... Um, what's cool about that too is that um everything that's posted in there is linkable so you get you can have a link and link to that stuff um which i think is nice and then there's also um everything will be searchable forever so you don't have a limitation like we have in slack right now and it really does not make any sense for us to pay for a proper slack workspace or whatever like so um so there's a bunch of these reasons. It's just tailored for little communities. Spectrum chat. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everybody from the Slack chat to come over to the Spectrum chat. So uh, it's you can find it at spectrum.chat slash ReactivePod. And um, and yeah, and hopefully um, everybody who's interested will will come over and we'll 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 try to to r- revive our. A reactive yes, chat. Now that's gonna say Now that we restarted the podcast <laughs> yeah. after that hard hit that uh, Raquel left us. So <laughs> yep. yeah very so nice. that's what we're gonna do. All right. So cool. um thanks for listening to the Reactive Podcast. You can find the show notes at reactive.audio if you want to join our lovely community. As I said, online, join us at spectrum.chat slash reactive pod. You can also reach us on Twitter at Reactive Pod, and you can reach me at Khalil Tweets and handing at h Um that's it for today. See you next week. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.